Welcome back to the Gen X Voice Podcast. I'm your host, Trish The Dish. And this week on the show, we have Jamie, one half of the E14 podcast that she does with her husband. We'll have her husband, um, Heath, on the show in a couple weeks. But um, their podcast is really cool. They are both in the Navy, and they basically have dedicated their podcast to uh, celebrating those doing awesome things outside of their service, um, and also the mental health and just a lot of other really great things um, con- concerning our Navy men and women. We also talk about her role mentoring young people um, in the military and recruiting, and also how she parents um, with with these different generations that are in her house even. Um, we talk about how she decided to choose to be in the military as um, as a mother um, with a with a very young child. And then also, you know, just taking care of herself and um and approaching um, her third marriage with an open heart and, um, and, and quite a brilliant mind, I might add. So I'm so excited to have you meet Jamie. And um, like I said, we'll have her husband on in a couple episodes. Uh, make sure you check the show notes for links to their podcast and their socials and enjoy the show. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Trish. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. It's such a lovely uh, wintry morning here in Louisiana, 70 something degrees. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. In Phoenix, I think we're neck and neck with y'all. Um, oh no, it's 68. Oh, the desert is be. colder than Louisiana today. That's kind of exciting. <laughs> Doesn't happen often because when yes. we're hitting 118 degrees, you guys are just dying in the swamp is basically yeah, it's, it's just the humidity. humidity. Mm-hmm. So no more humidity right now. Am I right? No, no more humidity. It's uh, I actually went for a run this morning and it felt really good to be able to breathe and not run underwater. I bet. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, Jamie, I'm super stoked to have you on the show. I have to start by saying that you are one of the most compassionate and kind hearted people that I've had the pleasure of listening to on podcasts. Um, and I just, I feel a little, little fluttery because it's not every day to come across like purely compassionate and kind humans. So, um, wow. What a compliment. Thank you so much. Super mean it. Um, I'm not military. And, um, although my grandpa was in the Korean war as a, as a squid, that's what they actually used to refer to Navy people back yes. in the day. I don't know if they Navy still squids. do. Yeah. Yes. Um, so have some cool pictures of him with like Japanese lady underpants as flags <laughs> instead of the actual flags on a ship and his whites. Um, yeah. But uh, I really enjoy listening to your podcast, the E14 podcast that you do oh, with your thank husband. Thank you so much. Yeah, whom we- I'm going to be interviewing later um, in another episode. Um, but yeah, I just had to get that. I had a fangirl. Oh, thank you. Thank you. No, you know, it's so weird being um, by myself because everything that we've done has just been the two of us, Heath and I, my husband, Heath and I. And so, um, having to, uh, guest star on your show by myself was like, Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And thanks for doing that because I definitely wanted to kind of take, um, each of you individually and have conversations individually, because I feel like you both have so much that having you on as a couple um, would just, we'd have to have a few, which we maybe someday we have you both on as well. Um, yeah. You hopefully know, I well, don't disappoint you. <laughs> well, I was going to say, hopefully you don't get pissed off at me by the end of this. And be <laughs> like, Fuck that chick. She's terrible. But (laughs) before we go too deep into it, Jamie, I'd like to have you tell the audience um, what year you were. Oh, actually, I know that you're not a big fan of revealing your age. So if you don't want to reveal the year of your age, you could just tell me what generation you identify with. Well, I'll tell you, I was born (gasps) in 1981. Wow, yes. Jamie, I feel so blessed. Thank you. <laughs> I know Heath is like, he's probably like, I can't believe she actually said it. 
That is so. Yeah, 1981. I'm, we just went to a ZZ Top. Um, I was concert. wondering if that was a ZZ Top shirt because yes. I saw the Z's and was like, "Hey." <laughs> we just went yes uh, Friday, and he's still he's 71 years old, still rocking. Yeah, age doesn't seem to matter when it comes to certain rock stars. I mean, what the heck? Like Paul McCartney and. Uh-huh you know, um, several of the Rolling Stones. And like, I mean, I'm just like, you know. Can I tell you something so funny, Trish? Um, he was like playing his guitar with his um, bass and they were like dipping down. And I was like, ooh, that would hurt my back if I did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I um, I heard that you also suffer from chronic back issues like oh, myself. Gosh, oh, it's awful. It's not a fun thing at all. You're just doing normal stuff. And then all of a sudden, oh, that's a, yes. a that's I'm alive in that part of my body. But so what I what generation do you more identify with? I guess. I mean, my husband says I'm a millennial. I don't feel like I'm a millennial. I feel like I'm more gen, generation X because I just um, I, I'm, I'm on that cusp. I think 81 was the year that they switched over. And I just don't think that. Um, I have a lot of the millennial ideals. Uh, well, it was actually yeah. 80. It's 1965, oh, 1980. But there is a group called Zennials. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that term. No. And that's those of us that were kind of born in the mid to late 70s um, to, uh, to about early 80s. So it's this mm-hmm. little cachet of um, folks who um literally have one foot in analog and digital because our childhood was completely analog and digital. Yes. So we had the playing outside with sticks and climbing trees and riding bikes and staying out all hours of the night. Latchkey kid might be a term you're familiar yes. with. And, but we also had access to computers in elementary school and, um, and it's very easy for us to, Uh, navigate the digital world because we were such a part of it so early on, whereas a lot of Xers who maybe are, um, you know, born 65 to maybe 74, Mm -hmm. maybe didn't have access to um, computers like we did. So they're just maybe a little bit different, but still pretty easy to, 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 to fall into that. So what are some of the ideas of millennials that you feel just don't resonate as much as maybe a Gen X point of view of the world? Um, I would think entitlement is one of the main ones that I've seen so much of. I know am I gonna people are gonna hunt me down, but I love it. I love it. This is what we do here. We we break down the stereotypes so that we can maybe, you know, come to some kind of agreement and understand why is it that you view millennials as entitled? Like what are some things that you see that make you go, man, that's not that doesn't resonate with me. I guess one of the biggest things is, you know, in the Navy, we, we're a small snapshot of, of the population. So sure. um, I've been in the Navy for 16 years. So I've seen it kind of evolve with the new people coming in. And then as the younger folks come in, they just expect that you give them the answer. Mm-hmm. They don't want to work for the answer. And then they have to know why. So in the Navy, or any military branch, a lot of times you just tell them what to do and they're just supposed to say yes, okay, and carry on. Um, But this new generation has been so different because you have to tell them why we're doing what we're doing. Um, And and that's that's kind of hard. And then the entitlement, you know, um, I've seen, and I'm not just talking about sailors here, but I've, I've seen a few people that just expect to get the, accolade or the trophy um everyone gets a trophy for participating yeah yeah Yeah, just for showing up to work and I'm like you just did your job that's all you did why would you deserve an accolade you know right right yeah but the newer generation that's coming in is gen z and they're Mm -hmm. you know the ones that are starting to hit um, probably your recruitment office and things like that they are you see a difference maybe between older millennials and Gen Z slash younger millennials? Like maybe there's, or do you feel like, no, there's a pretty strict division in in kids that were born in the eighties versus um, maybe the seventies and early eighties? So I know that when it comes to um, 
the digital age, we kind of touched on that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, now when I speak to these kids, they're in another world. They're on their phone and they're barely listening to you. And my kids know this and my future sailors know this, but I cannot stand this. Wait, what? Because they weren't really listening. Right. And they say, wait, what? I cannot stand that. And I let them know at the beginning, that is my pet peeve. So if I'm talking to you, you better listen to me because I'm not going to deal with the wait, what? Right, <laughs> it, right. it drives me insane. Yeah. And so um, that that is one of the things that I notice is that they're kind of our, our newer sailors. They're kind of in both two worlds. Mm. They're like in a virtual world or a digital world and physically here. Hmm. That's interesting because um, I work on a university campus and so I have a team of student workers and um, I'm really happy to say that at least this this batch that I have right now, they don't really question authority and they don't um, they don't they're not really on their phones that much. Um, You know, they're very present for our team meetings. Um, and as in like, I could tell they're, they're, they're participating, they're asking questions, they're talking, Mm -hmm. um, we collaborate, but I can tell you that the group of student workers I had just two years before that, um, constantly questioning me, well, why are we doing that? Why should we do that? Mm -hmm. And I remember one time, Jamie, I said, wow, you're so different than, than when I was younger, uh, or even now, like if my boss tells me to do something, I just say, okay, uh, you know, and I, I didn't mean to be right. sneaky or snarky about it, but I was like, what the fuck? Like, you can't <laughs> like, who says that? Like, it's a fucking job. That's what you've got to do. So fucking do it. Yeah. I don't know why you have to do it. Cause I fucking told you, but you don't yeah. want to be like that either. So I think that it's really hard for um, those of us that are leading these younger generations to be um, sort of, okay, well, we've got to sort of teach you that that may have been all right to do for the last 20 years of your life or 18 years of your life, but that's not really an appropriate response to um, the real world. (laughs) Yeah. And I I found, I found a lot of times we have to do stuff in it and it's fast paced and I, and I don't really have time for the why or the whatever. And I battled with myself because I was, I didn't really want to come on board with this new way of thinking. I wanted to stay my own way where I, because I told you so. Right. But, um, I've really battled with myself because it takes more time for me to have that blow up, like um, where I say, because I told you so, and then they come back at me and then I go back at them. And it it takes more time than if I change the, what my approach to the leadership. And I just say, we're going to do this because blah, blah, blah. And then it goes smoother. So, you know, it's funny. I remember um, I was a nanny to like, um, I think he was eight maybe six. Gosh, that's what happens when you get a little older. Suddenly you can't remember specific details, but, um, I remember his name was Francis and it was when I was a nanny in London after undergrad. And he was like, um, you know, he'd, I'd, I'd always try to like get him to clean his room or something. And I read somewhere that if you gave the child choices, and I don't know if this is a parenting tactic you've ever used, but I would say something like, well, if you want to watch Pokemon or no, I'd say, do you want to watch Pokemon and have a clean room? Or do you want to sit in here and sort of battle with me and miss Pokemon because we're fighting about the room being cleaned? Mm-hmm. And he'd always pick cleaning the room so he could watch Pokemon. Like even as a six-year-old, he could logically understand the choices and realize Obviously, I would word them in a way that was super manipulative and, you know, to make sure that my option was the best option. But did you ever do anything like that? And do you think that's maybe part of the whole why? Why should I do it like that? Like they're searching for Mm -hmm. perhaps that that style of of parenting that like kind of became popular in the in the early 2000s? I guess I guess I must have because my children do it, but I don't really remember um, explaining anything that way or or debating with them or giving options. I don't. I just told them what to do and I expected it to be done. So I don't really remember raising my children that way. But I guess it must. You know, we there's all of these different parenting um, styles nowadays. 
space. You know, um, my friend who just had a baby, she said there's a kinder, uh, what is it called? Kind parenting. So you'd never raise your voice. You never um, discipline them. You just, you know, gently go through life. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't think I can make it. (laughs) Well, here's the thing that I've noticed is um, that sounds super wonderful. If you have um, a, a, a partner who's equally involved in the child rearing and you don't have to work several jobs to keep food on the plate on your plate. And mm-hmm. also you have maybe one child and also maybe you don't have a very stressful job. Like I feel like that, um, every parent I've ever seen blow up was totally understandable because I know the backstory of their day to day and I don't have mm-hmm. children. And, um, because I never could understand how people could fucking have children. Like it, it just <laughs> seemed hard. Yeah. so hard and, and, you know, you're never doing it right. You're always asking yourself questions. I mean, I'm, I'm sure everyone's doing it right, but I'm just saying that's usually what yeah, parents have how you feel. parental guilt is what one of my friends always talks about. Mm-hmm. Um, but so like, I, I mean, that doesn't sound realistic. Like that sounds like a heart attack waiting to happen, you know, cause you're, you're shoving your own feelings down deeper and deeper. Like, I don't know, Jamie, what do you think? That doesn't sound I don't like know. I mean, I guess healthy. it's, it's the, whatever generation is, is being born now. So I don't know what I think they're it's called, still but... called alpha. I think we're still okay. in the alpha 10 years old. So We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. 10 years from now, 20 years from now, (laughs) what we've created, right? Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. So were your parents boomers or were they Mm -hmm. uh, more from the silent generation, like from the late, like born uh, in the late 33 and 56. Oh, a hundred percent boomer then. Yeah. Yes. And they were my mom. I remember my mom, I would stay out all day, you know, and we had pecans. I'm from Texas. We had pecans in the backyard and, you know, pomegranates growing and we would just eat that. She wouldn't even make sure like we ate lunch. Not that it was she was bad. She just we would just eat pecans and, you know, maybe come inside and get a beef jerky and put it in our pocket or something. But we try to stay out all day long. And and now I feel like, you know, our youngest plays outside a lot, but um it's almost scary nowadays to have your child gone without checking in or did you eat lunch? You know, it's like something to bring them back in so that you can check on them. Yeah. I had, um, I've had a couple parents, Gen X parents on the podcast. And, um, you know, one thing that I've noticed is that there's not a lot of free time. Um, there's not a lot of independent play or, um, things like that. And also a lot of my Gen X friends are, just constantly moving their children from one um, guided activity to another. So there's Mm -hmm. never that opportunity to sort of exercise imagination. And if they're not going to an event or an athletic event or something like that, they're gaming. Right. Gaming is totally different. Yeah. One time I gave my oldest son a a pole and a, in an old blanket. And I was like, go outside and build a tent or something. And he was like, <laughs> him and his friends were like, what are we supposed to do with this? Like, what, what? Wow. <laughs> did you give us? Yeah. This old sheet and a pole. <laughs> <laughs> go and Google it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how old are your children? I have a 17 year old and an 11 year old. Interesting. Okay. So, um, can you tell that there's a big difference between your 17 year old and your 11 year old? Cause there, that's supposed to be the difference between Gen Z and alpha already. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I can tell that they're, they're different, but also one is the baby and one is the oldest. So that, I don't there's know. There's so what, many variables yeah, that come into many. play for difference, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Do you find yourself kind of trying to parent in or have you tried thinking? Oh, I have to parent completely different. And my oldest, I can be hard on him and I can, you know, I'm trying to get him to be responsible, be a man and and just let him know that life's going to knock him down. He better get back up, you know, kind of thing. And the other um, one, the younger one, it's almost, I almost have to, um, like you said, that manipulation where do you want <laughs> you give, this or do you want that? You give the option and such yeah, the option. Yeah. Really, really positive. And the other one like really terrible that you definitely don't want that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I do with him. <laughs> 
That's funny. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So, um, you grew up in the South in Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, I lived a little bit of my life in Texas as a, as a youngster, um, a couple of times. Yeah. My, um, I lived with my grandparents for in kindergarten in like 80, 81 in temple, Texas. Cause my grandpa Mm -hmm. after the Navy, he went to college and became um, an administrator of the VA hospitals. So he was part of the Western expansion of the VA hospitals. Um, so all three of his kids were born in different parts of the country. Um, oh. And uh, uh, also I lived in uh, suburbs of Dallas and uh, Plano, Texas being uh-huh. one specifically, which well, after I left, I left around 1985 um, became the heroin capital of the country, which I thought was pretty crazy because when I lived there, it was like straight out of a Steven, Steven Spielberg movie. Like every, all the kids, we all played together outside. We were Uh all staying out till the, you know, lamp, the, the streetlights came on. And, but that's, that's different in generations, right? Cause I used to play outside with no problem, no scare and drugs. I mean, they were there, but it wasn't like, I I don't know. I don't know what happened. You know, it's funny that you say that though, because we did have the satanic panic of the eighties. Mm-hmm. We did have an influx of, um, you know, mass murderers that were happening. Um, you know, like the, the night crawler, uh, the, or the night stalker. I mean, um, mm-hmm. Richard yes. Ramirez, like that was happening in Southern California and stranger danger and the milk carton kids, you know, That's perpetually right. seen. There. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, how it became that, we went from seeing little kid faces, our own faces, in a sense, on milk cartons to, you know, and still being able to walk home from school and stay, mm-hmm. you know, alone all the time. Like, do you think it was that our parents just didn't give a fuck or um, <laughs> did we as kids living in that time grow up to be just m- a little bit more paranoid. So we were like, looking back, probably shouldn't have jumped in the car with those randos at the skate rink to get home. Yeah. I think, I think it's just the age of information. You know, we talked about the digital um, way that everything's coming in and now our minds are inundated with headlines and um, you know, we can see everything that's going on around the world. Whereas when we were looking at milk boxes, they were in like Milwaukee or, you know, they were, it, it, it was happening, but it wasn't here. You know, it wasn't outside my door. So that's I think that's point. how we grew up. Wow. That's a very good point. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that's interesting to me is that um, you, you decided to go into the military. Like yes. I'm, 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 I'm always very interested to hear about people's journey going into the military. Um, what, what was it that, that drew you as a woman in, you know, I'm assuming this was the, the late nineties, early two thousands that, that brought you into the military. I actually went to college first and graduated from Sam Houston state, um, with a bachelor's in criminal justice. And as you get out of college, you know, nobody tells you that you can't, I was like, okay, here's my degree, hire me. And nobody would hire me because I didn't have job experience. I worked at Wendy's the whole time. Right. And did, yeah. isn't that, wasn't that the expectation? Like half yeah. three will be yeah. hired. That's what yeah, all, I, every boomer told me. That's what you're supposed <laughs> to do. You go to college, then you get a good job and you, you know, <laughs> so um, when I got, you know, moved back home. I was married and um, young, young married, just 22. And I had my oldest son and um, and uh, my ex-husband, my son's father, he was young as well. So, you know, we were struggling. We didn't have health insurance. We didn't have any of that. And he had um, a job, but it was not steady. So I was like, we got to change something because this baby needs insurance. He needs stability. Um, and my sister was talking to the Navy recruiter in our hometown. And I said, let me talk to him. Cause I had thought about my dad was a Marine. I thought about military, but, um, and actually it just kind of, I just kind of jumped in there and, <laughs> and I was like, uh, just sign me up. I didn't even know about the difference between enlisted and officer. I didn't know really what the Navy was about. And they were like, oh, well, you're going to go be on a ship. And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't, 
Put me on shit. else. What yeah. <laughs> did I so, just sign up for the army instead? What happened? Yeah. <laughs> what What did I do? Like, I just, I literally didn't know what I was getting myself into. I just joined, and like a month later, I was shipping out to boot camp. Wow. And yeah, and people were yelling at me. And I remember in boot camp, I was laying in my rack crying because I missed my my baby. And I was like, what did I do? This is a terrible idea, you know? Wow. And and then they kept saying, you know, going to sea and all of this stuff. And I was like, I don't even want to do that. So um, I actually got my first set of orders in Corpus Christi, Texas. And after that, I went and got um, I went into the reserves. And through the years, I've learned about the Navy and and our, you know, sea presence and why it's important. But as a young person, I didn't really understand that. And so um, I went into the reserves. I got my master's degree. I went and worked for the chief of naval air training as a civilian and did the reserves, you know. Um, But now when we when my when Heath moved here, um, you know, and we got married and and we moved together, I was like, okay, well, I think I might try the Navy again. And now, of course, I wish I would have gone to sea and done all of that stuff. But I didn't, at the time, I didn't really know what I had gotten myself into. Wow, that's unbelievable. I mean, your dad didn't tell you like, well, this is what you're gonna No, wow. he, he, he said I should go be an officer, but I still I'm, I'm a fool's mountain type of person. <laughs> I don't fool's mountain. Listen. Yeah, I don't listen to anybody. Um, and, you know, most people can listen to advice and like uh, take that. Mm-hmm. And I don't those. know any 22 year old that that's. Uh, no, I have, to find <laughs> Actually. I have to. I was like, oh, whatever. I don't want to wait for that officer program. It was too long. Just ship me out. I don't care. I just need job experience. That was my whole thing. I'm just going to go in there and get job experience and then get out and, and use my degree. Wow. So um, the Navy has been good to you, though. You've had a, a yeah. nice life because of it. Am I right? Like, yes, I mean, definitely now, like you said the oldest, he's 17. He's he's doing great. He's able to go to college. He he gave him um, his GI Bill so he can go to college Wow. Um, and lessons learned from, you know, me just jumping feet first. You know, it was a safe it was a safe jump. It wasn't um, like you know, I wasn't going into combat or anything. So it was, it was a safe jump at least, right. um, not knowing getting what I was getting myself into. Well, and what's really neat is that you've taken, as you said, 15 years of military experience and you've really channeled it into this, this wonderfully compassionate and, um, enlightening podcast that you do with Heath, your husband, mm-hmm. um, uh, called and not the husband we were talking about before. This is no. the different, hu- the, yes. the the more modern, recent husband, <laughs> the present, <laughs> the present husband um, called E4, the E14 podcast. Um, what, what made you decide to, to start a podcast with your, with your husband and, and why talk about the Navy? Well, when we first, um, I, you know, we started during the pandemic So a lot of us were stuck in our houses and um, my friends and I had started doing this live stream podcast as recruiters, as Navy recruiters. And we said, let's show people that we can be more than just the uniform. Let's show off our talents. So we had a lot of like guests that had, um, you know, they were comedians or they were singers or all active military. Yes. And they, you know, so we had those guys coming on. So with through the time I bought a microphone and I had all of the podcasting stuff. And then I remember it was one Saturday morning and Heath and I were just kind of sitting around and watching TV. And I said, Hey, do you want to do a podcast? And he said, sure. (laughs) So we just hopped on the mic and just, just started it. And we, at first we were going to just do, uh, I don't even know what our focus was at first. But then I said, you know what, Um, what really we both have that not a lot of people have is that we're dual military. And, um, you know, the Navy is something that we both know a lot about and we can talk a lot about. And so we just decided to go with that. And it's been a great 
niche or niche to get into because it's just something that we're passionate about, leadership in the Navy or or different problems that our sailors have. And there wasn't a, a platform before that for them to speak out on. Yeah, I hear a lot of your guests talk about how amazing it is that you have this platform. I mean, you've talked about seasonal depression. You've talked about wonderful giving and warm hearted things that active military do outside of their job um, Mm -hmm. to make the world a better place. Um, Are you even surprised at the sort of amazingness of your fellow military um, brothers and sisters when you have them on the podcast? I love having them on the podcast and listening to their story or or whatever topic it is that they want to speak on because it just, um, you know, we all are in the Navy and we're all uh, sailors, but we all have this different way of thinking and somehow we bring it all together and become one Navy. And that is what I enjoy. That is what I'm passionate about because I love the way that we all look at things differently and then somehow we compact it and bring it into the Navy. And that's how, that's why we're such a great force, I believe. And you guys love to throw down and drink. Yes, we do. (laughs) (laughs) And I would have loved to have a drink. Maybe, maybe the next time, if I have both, if you guys both decide that maybe we'll go on as a couple together. Um, Okay. You know, um, because generational marriages is pretty an interesting thing as well. Um, Then we can get hammered. But I have I have three interviews today and I have to edit two of them. Oh, you don't have time to throw down. I don't have time to throw down. Yeah, I've got to stay. I've got to stay uh, at least a little bit alert, at at least until I get to the editing part. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I think, you know, it's so funny because when Heath and I met, obviously we were both in the Navy and he he didn't really know how to approach it. And he was like, um, do you drink? And I was like, duh. <laughs> I'm a sailor. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, we're I mean, we're not a bunch of drunks for your listeners. We're not, we're not sloppy sailor drunks sometimes, but not all the time. But we just enjoy um different alcohols and and Heath loves his bourbon and whiskey. And I'm more of a cocktail type person. So what's your go-to know. cocktail? Uh, right now I have, um, the mule, the Moscow mule is kind of what I've been, it, it just makes my stomach feel good. I don't it's know. Very nice drink. Very nice yeah. drink. There's a place here in Phoenix that makes like such a delicious one. And even one makes you just feel warm and fuzzy, uh-huh. you know, and I like that. I like when the first cocktail is strong enough to where, okay, this is nice. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Where like, if it's super like, um, light and I don't feel anything, then we've got a problem on our hands. Cause I'm going to be drinking pretty hard and fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? and, no, yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, the listeners know, I like to throw down, you know, every once in a while, like when I had Hermes on from the scuttlebutt podcast, oh, you know, bad influence. Um, we definitely <laughs> had some drinks. And when I was on their show, we had, you know, had to throw down cause it's just so fun to drink with them. But, you know, when you live alone, um, mm-hmm. there's, uh, there was a time when I was coming home from work and grabbing a six pack and, you know, just chain smoking and drinking, but I was super depressed, super anxiety ridden, um, super overworked. And, um, I didn't know how else to calm my brain down, even though I've been studying meditation and yoga for 20 some odd years, uh, that doesn't always work. You, you can't always just like drop down into some downward dog and be like, and now breathe out. Like that's Mm -hmm. not fucking happening when your boss is, the way your boss is. And yeah, you know, you know I, I totally get it because I, you know, you, you have back pain as well. And so a, a lot of times you live in your life in such pain and then you have the stressful days and you just want that mental escape, I guess. Just um, a break, and, just a yeah, mental break, just a break, mm-hmm. a break. And I've really, you know, honestly, I've really been focusing a lot on myself lately. I know it sounds kind of selfish, but no, um, no. See, that's the yeah. stigma that we have to break is that yeah. we have to take care of ourselves in order to take care of the world. Yeah. And I, you know, my energy was low and um, our last guest that we had on the E14 podcast, when we were talking about seasonal depression, Loved uh, commander vessel, she said, you know, the sun, you need to go out in the sun. So every morning we try to get out and go for a walk or a jog as the sun's coming up. So I've just been feeling a lot better, but I've really been focusing on myself a lot. And, um, 
I think that it, I think I needed to do it before, but I've just never done it. And it, I feel guilty. <laughs> yeah. It, that's because we were raised in a way that, um, you know, you're not, you're supposed to suck it up and grin and bear it. And cause that's mm-hmm. what all the generations before us did, but they also didn't, you know, have long lives and they had chronic issues and things like that. And, um, you know, definitely, um, taking care of yourself. Like I stopped drinking by myself every night and, um, you know, I walk my dog every day because I I also heard, I also take a vitamin D supplement because I'm vegan, but it's also because that's what my doctor told me to take and did the blood test. Mm -hmm. Just like your guest had said, like, you can't just start taking vitamin D you have to really do intelligent steps, like go through doctors and, and really look at what your body is, is made up of before you start shoving supplements into it. Um, so I got to ask you though, uh, well, I guess it's not Christmas yet, but did Heath get you the sunbox? I don't know. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll shake some presents under the tree. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I don't want to break the bulb. I know. No, but, um, I'm super looking forward to seeing how that works for you. Um, I mean, just our walks in the morning have changed our, changed our, um, energy levels, I think. So happy to hear that. That's wonderful. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I, I hope that we're the last generation's Right. I'm going to add you in because technically, well, you're a zennial, but um, yeah. we hopefully we're the last ones to feel guilty about taking care of ourselves. And, you know, um, I love that there's vocabulary that is built around understanding the feelings that you have. Like, I remember the first time I ever went to therapy and, you know, I said something and, and my and my therapist was like, well, how do you feel about what you just said? And I was so disconnected from my body. I was like, I don't, I don't know how to answer you. And she's like, well, where do you feel it when you talk about it? And I'm like, I don't know, like here, like pointing at like my xiphoid process. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like in this sort of, yeah. upper, you know, lower sternum, upper stomach area. Didn't even know a name for that, you know? And yeah. I wouldn't know. I mean, I wouldn't know the answer to that question. That's, <laughs> right. Yeah. So I've actually ever since then have focused on, okay, where do I feel that? Why do I feel that? And then there's a story that seems to unfold when I start thinking about that. And it really allows me to take pause and, and be like, okay, well, we're running down the victim rabbit hole. We need to climb out of that. And, um, do you, I mean, you seem like such a, um, like I said, your podcast is, is so filled with compassion and beauty and, and just, my gosh, you're, you're just such an incredible woman. I mean, do you, um, do you, do you feel like that comes out of you more when you take care of yourself or do you feel like you're just kind of a natural empath? Uh, well, I know that I, I am an empath, but I know that when I'm not taking care of myself, I am irritable and I am not, um, I'm not compassionate. I'm not that person. So you are human. Okay. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just teasing. I'm no, but, you know, it's just like, um, <laughs> uh, I was, I was talking to my coworkers. I'm like, oh, this office is like a revolving door. It's like, every time I get ready to do my job. Uh, someone walks in, Hey, can you help me with this? Hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? And after so much of that, it's just like, ah, you know, I get that, like that irritability, that rage. And, and it's not to any one specific person. It's just, I need some time to do me, you know? And I feel like, um, I feel like that when I don't take my weekends and I don't take my time to decompress, that's a lot more evident in my everyday life. Even, even he said it because we haven't done a podcast in a while, honestly, um, because I just needed some time to decompress. Wow. And good for you because I can't imagine how hard it is for, so you're a recruiter. So you're constantly, that's a very social customer facing. We're going to use customer for lack of better words, right. For recruiting your customer facing, you're always on because you have to present the Navy in this like you know, it's exhausting. Yeah. Would you believe that I'm really an introvert? <laughs> I, I I could because I'm meeting so many people who have. Well, you could be like me, an amnivert. So I'm I'm super outgoing and extroverted in a lot of ways. But my God, if I don't, I live alone, and if I don't mm-hmm. get to 
come home and just sort of veg yes for like at least at least a few hours on mm-hmm. a weekend i'm shit like i i'm, I'm worth it i, I go to bed early way. i wake up early just so i can avoid human interaction because nobody's up at 4 a.m <laughs> right. they're not messaging yeah. me anyway you know yeah no i i completely understand that because a lot of times i'll come home and after being this person that's helpful and this person that's on like you said all day long um that's not it's something that i've worked on it was a weakness of mine so it's something that i've worked on but it's not natural so it's exhausting mm-hmm. and by the end of the day I just want to sit there and not talk to anybody. And it's not great for my family. You know, they're all talking to me and I'm just like not even listening just out of it. But yeah, I mean, how hard is that? I mean, like, again, you're going from a super, um, you know, uh, person facing job to you've got an 11 year old, 17 year old. Does your 17 year old live with you at home? Oh yes. He's yeah. still in high school. Oh, still in high school. And then mm-hmm. you've got your husband and you, you mentioned something really interesting in one of your episodes that, um, when Heath first, um, retired, um, that you were, um, you were very forthright with him about what you what you need him to do when you, when you come home from, from work in this life, like you said, um, I'm not going to be the one that's going to entertain you. You're going to have to yeah. figure something else out. How in the world did you find the strength to be so forthright about what your boundaries were with his actions? Cause that seems so healthy and, and, and wonderful to be able to see that. It really came out of a, a place of, of, um, irritability probably, but you know, he, he was, I could see him going down this road as a retiree who had been on all these years, 26 years, and, you know, had served the Navy, you know, to the fullest. And then I, I saw him like, almost like, I don't know, maybe he couldn't find his worth in his everyday, you know, you know, how men, can be. <laughs> well, and women, I know that um, yeah. a friend of mine and I talked very recently about how our identity has been completely intertwined with our jobs. Yeah. So um, it's really hard when that thread is gone and you're not um, wrapped up in that anymore to figure out, well, who the fuck am I? Like, yeah, if I'm not exactly. this anymore, you know, which is why I hate when people ask, what do you do for a living? Because mm-hmm. it is like, I that's not who I am. And I don't want to give you information about that because you're going to already have a preconceived notion of who I am instead of let's talk about each other. And, and yes, do you, do you find that? Yeah, that's a lost art, you know, just getting to know the person who, for who they are. And a lot, like you said, a lot of people don't even know who they are. And that was one of the things that Heath was, I could see it. He would make little comments like, oh, I'm just the the house bitch, or I'm just this and that. And I was like, no, yeah, I was like, no, you are not. But if this is going to work, this is what you have to, you know, come to terms with. Yes, you are here. Yes, you have the ability to be there for the kids more than I do. I work an hour and a half away. So I spend three hours a day on the road. And, there, and I was like, there. if we're, if we're going to do this, I can't come home. My job's too stressful. I can't come home and be this, you know, oh, I haven't seen you all day. Let's talk, 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 talk. I just don't have it. I can't be that. Right. So you have to find it somewhere else not yeah. someone else somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> very specific difference there um, I, had a, I had a friend once that said um the reason why marriages of yesteryear worked out so well is because um people were a lot more um sort of social outside of their marriage so you had dad mm-hmm. that was on the bowling league mom did bridge And so they had this sort of social outlet where they had people in their friend groups or even family members who were living closer to them that were their, their confidant, their shrink, their their entertainer, their gossip. You know what I mean? Whereas now, um, at least it seems like it's been like this since, I don't know, the last 20 years that I've seen relationships and been in relationships, 
It seems that we are just like, no, be my everything. You've got to listen mm-hmm. to all my stories. You've got to solve all my problems. You've got to make me laugh. You've got to understand, um, you know, we've got to watch all the rom-coms. We've got to watch all the adventure movies. And that may be different genders, by the way, talking not, not well, all women I, like rom-coms. I don't know. I'm not the, <laughs> I'm not the uh, best person to speak on marriage. This is Heath and I's both both our third marriage. So we've oh, wow. had a lot of ups and downs. Wow, you guys kept trying. That's yeah. really, yeah. that's really yeah. interesting because most people that I've met, they marry once and they're like, I'm never doing it again. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Professional I remember romantics. when we started dating and both of our families were like, you're going to do this again. And I was like, well, I can't, I, I remember telling my mom, I can't just give up. I can't just like not try you know, and he, he, his family was like, you don't need to get married again. And he was like, you know, this is the, the one. And it, anyway, um, it, it, it's worked out great. But one of the things that we have um, really implemented is that we don't make each other happy. Um, our happiness, we bring, we are happy alone and we bring that to the marriage. So we don't, he, he doesn't make me happy. I like to run. I like to do my own things. And, um, then I'm just happy. And, you know, and I bring that to him and same, you know, same for him. He has his own things he likes. That's so beautiful. And that's probably really what the secret is. Cause I don't know about you, but not a lot of those marriages that I was talking about from yesteryear, mm-hmm. not all, all of them seemed very healthy and happy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, we, you know, a lot of people will go out with their uh, girlfriends or whatever, and just, you know, bad mouth their husbands. <sighs> but I, yeah. I just have other things to talk about. <laughs> well, especially God, if you badmouth them that much, get the fuck out. You get this like 1783. You don't have to stay married for the country, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I, I've also distanced myself from people like that, you know? So when I go out with my friends, it's not people that are unhappy, you know, because bad apples spoil apples. So um, you have to be very protective of the energy that you hang out with, you know? A hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree with that. I did some some, um, sweeping in my life a couple years ago, um, actually a few years now. And, um, I, I can't tell you, like, it was scary, right? Because I didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of friends in this town. So I had to yeah. do a lot more like reaching out to my friends in other parts of the country. Um, and, um, but what a difference that's made because I really know what makes me happy. And I know, um, that, spending so much time on the negative stuff really makes me unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I it wish it's easier, doesn't it? After you start like, Oh, no, nope, your drama. I'm going oh, you can way. feel it. Right. You can <laughs> yeah. like, Ooh, that's an energy force field that I, I am familiar <laughs> with. And I'm walking over here now and, <laughs> and just knowing that, you know, I don't know if this is the beauty of aging, but I feel like one of the greatest things about being in my forties is I don't have to give in to anything. I don't have to give into social norms. I yes. don't have to, um, you know, hang out with people I don't like because mm-hmm. this group of friends I'm in, sorry, that's my, my dog Savannah is obviously <laughs> uh, the, the doors are all closed. So she's, she wants to join in. Yeah. She's, she's ready she's, to, she's passionate about this topic. <laughs> she likes this topic a lot too. Yeah. Because actually she really likes men and I don't bring them around enough. <laughs> 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 but anyway, um, so she's arguing. No, but um, do you find that true too? That your sort of um, your ability to walk away from that, not only because you understand how much healthier it is to be away from negativity, but also because you're like, oh wow, I'm a certain age. I don't have to be around this anymore. But like when we were younger, uh, did you feel like, oh gosh, I, I felt fuck yeah. it up. I did. And, you know, it's so funny that you say that because it's got to be aging because now that I'm in my 40s or well, 40, um, I don't I feel more comfortable in my own skin. And oh, amen a, to that. Yes. I have a younger uh, co-worker. She's 26. And sometimes she's like, I just don't understand how you could just say that or you could just walk this way or do this way or whatever. And I was like, girl, you'll get there. <laughs> oh, that's a wonderful yeah. response because instead of like, um, well, you know, I, I want, I want us as women in our forties to be 
having different kind of conversations with younger people. Like I remember when I was that age and I would say something to someone older, they'd be like, well, you know, been around as long as I have, like Mm -hmm. your response is so much more positive. You'll get there as opposed to life has really torn me up and this is how it is now. Like, I don't want to be ever like that. I, I love telling people how old I am. I'm about to hit 46. And, um, and I feel like this looks amazing for 46. I feel like the energy level is amazing for 46. And I feel like there should be no, there should be no, um, negativity attached to it. Cause yeah, life is fucking terrible and it sucks. And we've all got a story, but, um, shouldn't we be these sort of beacons of hope so that people stop killing themselves? I mean, not to flippantly add suicide into the mix, but my God, if we keep telling them how fucking terrible the world is and then to boot, you're going to be a grumpy old cunt when you're like, yeah, that's not going to keep people on the planet. My gosh, my life has had so many twists and turns and loops. And, um, it has been, if, if, if I was that type of person, you would say, wow, you, you should be in like the mental hospital or Same. something, Same. you know? Oh yeah. And, and I just, um, I refuse to, I look back at some things in my life and I'm like, yeah, that really sucked. Oh, wow. That really was bad, you know, but I just don't, I don't know. It did, I'd, I've been bumped on my head a lot. So I probably just you know, those memories fell out or something. I don't know. <laughs> I had a well, couple of concussions. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, uh, I, I was severely abused as a child and, um, probably have some TBI and, in, 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 uh, in, in some of the, uh, things that have been crushed on my head, but, um, but my gosh, I'd, I'd much rather have that and a positive view on the world, maybe a little dinghy, Cause I yeah, didn't back I on that so much. I don't remember what I ate for breakfast, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you a lyric to a Duran Duran song from 1984. Don't worry about it. Um, that's amazing. Oh my gosh. Uh, Jamie, you're even more delightful than I had even hoped for. Oh, and I'm so just, grateful that you yes. like, opened up so much of your story to me because you, you definitely reflect the, or, or, or emit the beautiful radiant light that I hear in your podcast. And um, so uh, on that segue, let's go ahead and give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about your podcast and let the listeners know where they can find you and what in the world E14 stands for, for the civilian listeners. Yes. So E14 is our ranks combined. So Heath was an E8, now retired, and I'm an E6. So we just added them together and got our E14. And we used to joke a lot about it because we're like, oh, we're getting paid like an E14. That doesn't even exist. There's no such thing as an E14, but we, you know, added our money together and that's what we decided. So we we said, oh, let's, since we're doing this together, let's combine it. And uh, we really just want to be the sailor's voice. Uh, we want to hear what's going on on the deck plates, you know, what's concerning our young sailors. How can we change things? You know, we've had uh, we've covered transgender in the Navy. We've covered um, depression, anxiety, suicide, things that are there, but they're just not being spoken about or they're not out. You know, people don't feel comfortable hearing about is what we want to know because we said, Hey, if, if it's important to the sailor, it's important to us and leaderships need to need to have a platform where they can hear that. And, um, you know, we're on every podcast outlet there is i found us on audible the other day so i don't even know how we got on there um but oh, we're on Am- awesome. amazon we're on i i tune or whatever it is i podcast itunes uh, yeah yeah uh, we're we're on all of them actually i don't know did they change Spotify? their recently <laughs> yeah Spotify. Uh, apple podcast yeah that's it itunes that's 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 yeah. what people talk for you young folks sorry about that <laughs> I'm all green. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah we're on iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, no, we're anywhere. So um, you just search E-14 podcast and you'll be able to find us. Even ask Alexa to yeah. play it. And uh, and you've got uh, an Instagram page. Uh, yes. What's your handle um, for that one? 
it's E14 podcast. We took out the dash and then we have a Twitter, the same thing, E14 podcast and Facebook. Thanks for the love on Twitter, by the way. I'm never on Twitter. Um, and I saw that you guys gave some love to me um and 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 the Gen X voice podcast. So um yeah, very, that's he he very wonderful. You know, I'm as a recruiter, I'm on social media a lot. So I said, Hey, you have to take on Twitter. I cannot handle another platform. And I swear the first day that we had it, he tweeted more than President Trump. He, he tweeted like <laughs> five times before 7 a.m. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Um, all right. And, and, and as always listeners, I'll have that in the show notes, um, so that you can, uh, check out this awesome podcast. And I'm telling you guys, even if you're not in the military, it's worth listening to, because I really think as civilians, it's important for us to understand, um, what's going on in the military and, and maybe better how to, um, how to approach people who are in the military, because we're so divided in this country with pro versus anti everything. And, um, I'm personally a pacifist, but I tell you what, um, I, um, am not an idiot. I understand that military exists for a reason. Um, and listening to your podcast has given me, um, actually, um, a lot more things to think about in terms of how I think about, um, my worldview. So, um, thank you. And thank you for making it, um, digestible for the rest of us too. And man, definitely keep doing what you're doing. You're amazing. And I hope that some of my listeners jump over onto your side and, and hang out on your ship for a while. But, (laughs) um, but now we've gotten to the rapid fire portion of the podcast. Are you ready, Jamie? (sighs) Okay. Okay. Here we go. What is your favorite memory from childhood? Um, bonfires. Oh man. Still to this day, if there's a bonfire, I am so about it. I don't care what I smell like the next day. I actually love the smell the next day. Uh, and, and, uh, boy, just get, get me in front of that. Oh my goodness. You're my kind of people. Yes. yes. Um, um, what about your favorite eighties band or musician? Is it ZZ top? No, I, well, I like the Beatles. I don't know if they're at eighties. They're not they're, actually, they're not, they broke 70s? up by 1970. Oh. Um, but, um, Do you have like, is there stuff like maybe from the, from wings or George Harrison that you were like, man, that solo stuff that really gets me. I don't really know. I just know that I really like them together as the Beatles. I, I, I was kind of grew up, my parents are from the seventies era. So that's what I listened to. Right. More. Yeah. I listened to a lot of Beatles and, um, this is supposed to be our rapid fire section, but I've got to okay. ask you, have you watched the Peter Jackson, um, um, documentary on D- Disney plus on the Beatles last, uh, no, I didn't know. It was oh there. my gosh. You have to watch it. It's called get back. And, um, I just finished it yesterday and it's so good. It basically shows how the Beatles sort of disintegrated. Um, and it's definitely not anything to do with Yoko Ono. I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) Um, and it just, I just couldn't stop listening to the Beatles after watching that. I was like, the Beatle mania mania, but okay. So, but, uh, eighties bands though, surely Um, there's a band from the eighties that you, I mean, all I remember really is listening to Michael Jackson. I had his record and, um, I had a two of his records. So I guess bands wise, I don't know. Or musician. Yeah. Yeah. He, I was in the Michael Jackson. <laughs> um, do you ever feel guilty liking Michael Jackson? No, I, I, I guess I don't know. I, I leave guess it I don't at really that. Watch. Again, it's supposed yeah. to be rapid fire and I'm all like, oh my God, I want to ask you all these questions. We'll save that for the next time. What about your favorite eighties movie? Um, the Goonies. Oh my gosh. Every single Zennial and older millennial says Goonies. It's really? Unbelievable. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, and then what, uh, why did you go to college? Because that's what you do after high school. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> no, okay. most of my parents were educators, so they pushed it pretty hard. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. And then, um, finally, Jamie, my favorite question to ask all of my guests is if you could give a bit of advice to anyone in any generation, um, be it to get through the good times or the bad times, what would that advice be? And take as long as you want to answer this one. Okay. Um, my advice would be to um, 
we need to get back to remembering that we're speaking to another human, whether it's digitally or virtually or, you know, on a chat function on Facebook. I see so many nasty, ugly comments daily, and it feels like we've allowed ourselves that ugliness to erupt and and it's spewing out on the TV. and, And it's just, I see so much hate towards each other. It random strangers that you don't even know. So my advice would be to remember that you're speaking to another human and that other human maybe had a bad day or that's someone's child or, you know, that's that that person um, might be going through something that you have no idea. And your comment is just another stab in their day, you know, Um, and uh, that's that's my advice. My God, that is beautiful advice. And I wouldn't expect anything less from such a beautiful person. Um, Jamie, thank you once again for taking time out of your super busy life where you could be totally recharging right now um, to deal with your crazy life. Um, So it really, it it is an honor and I appreciate, and I know you and your husband are taking separate calls and I hope you see why I just wanted that super connection, just one-on-one because you're both so so beautiful and wonderful. So, um, we'll, we'll hopefully I've impressed you enough to maybe have you both on again someday. Or we'll have you on our show. Oh, me, a civilian. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, anytime. I would absolutely love that. Thank you, Jamie. Yeah. Thank you so much, Trish. I had a great time. Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't want to